This podcast is sponsored by Green Skies Analytics, where they do everything tech-related, but only for internal audit. Although compliance and risk management, y'all are cool too, so feel free to check it out also. To find out more, please visit greenskiesanalytics.com, but it's more likely that you're just going to Google it. So to find out more, please Google Green Skies Analytics. This podcast is also brought to you by Audit Board, the leading cloud-based platform transforming how enterprises manage risk. Audit Board's integrated suite of easy-to-use audit, risk, and compliance solutions streamlines internal audit, SOX compliance, risk management, and security compliance. Automate processes and improve execution with Audit Board's purpose-built solution, which is designed to address the most pressing challenges of today's practitioners. Experience the latest in audit, risk, and compliance technology. Visit auditboard.com to schedule your product walkthrough to see Audit Board's award-winning platform in action today. Today on the show, we have Ambutera of the Whole Person Project, and she is guest hosting for us this week. For those that don't know Anne, she has authored two books. The most recent one is Say What? Communicate with Tact and Impact, What to Say to Get Results at Any Point in an Audit. And the other book being Mastering the Five Tiers of Audit Competency, The Essence of Effective Auditing. And so we've included links to both of those books in the show notes. And Anne's name might sound familiar to some of the listeners of the Audit Podcast. She was uh, a guest on episode 12. So if you enjoyed Anne, be sure to go check that out. Joining Anne on the show is Paul Flora and Nick Damola, both from Quality Plus and Associates. And so some of the things that Anne asked of Paul and Nick is what is a QAR? the importance of communication, issues with making short audit reports, which I thought was really interesting, advice on aligning verbal communication versus written communication, and how to prep for a meeting. We'll include links to Paul and Nick's email in the show notes, but if you're listening, it's P-F-L-O-R-A, P-Flora at AL.com, and N-Demola, N-D-I-M-O-L-A at AL.com. And in addition to their consulting practice, again, at Quality Plus and Associates, Paul and Nick also run a course, an audit course at St. John. So we've included a link to that. Um, and they speak to it a little bit towards the end. So very interesting, the approach they take in, um, in teaching that course. So be sure to check that out as well. Here we go. Well, welcome. Welcome to the audit podcast. And no, I'm not Trent Russell. Uh, I'm Ann, Ann Butera. And I am guest hosting for Trent. He's entrusting his podcast to me. Um, in case uh, we're meeting for the first time, I am a consultant and I'm also an author. And I have written the uh, five tiers of audit competency. And my second book is out, Say What? Uh, communicate with Tact and Impact. And that's what actually is going to be the, the theme for, for today's show. It's um, communicating and lessons learned from the quality assurance process. And with me on uh, today's podcast is Paul Flora and Nick Demola. And their firm is called Quality Plus and Associates. And they established the firm in 2007 and Together, they provide internal audit services specializing in quality and strategic assessments and reviews of internal audit functions and activities. And obviously the QARs are, are part of that. Um, each of them is very experienced. Um, each of them has over 40 years of internal audit experience, which is, which is you know, it's a lot, it's prodigious. Uh, Paul's experience 
is in financial services. And he was the CAE at AXA Financial. And Nick uh, also uh, was a CAE, but his experience is in transportation. And he was with the, uh, the Metropolitan Transportation Authority. So I'm so thrilled that you both are, are uh, here joining me. Um, each of them uh, are also adjunct professors at St. John's University, where they're teaching a course that they developed on uh, advanced internal uh, auditing techniques. And we'll talk more about what's in that course and how it ties into communication lessons learned uh, from the QAR, uh, from the QAR process. So welcome, Nick, and welcome, Paul. Uh, I think maybe before we jump into the lessons learned from the QAR process, there might be some listeners who are not familiar with the QAR process, the quality assurance process. So could you just kind of summarize what that is so that we can get a better understanding? Sure, thanks, Anne, and thanks for having us on today. Um, quality assurance or quality assessment review process is really um, an independent evaluation of whether or not or how uh, much uh, a, an audit shop is adhering to the professional standards of the Institute of Internal Auditors. Uh, people like us, evaluators, through the use of questionnaires, interviews, surveys, and audit techniques, uh, we determine that level of conformance with the uh, IIA's professional standards and opine on that to usually the chief audit executive and the audit committee. So we just let them know how they're doing against our standards. Yeah, and then the other Nick, part of it, Dan, is that, that? Uh, you know, we joke, Paul and I joke around that, uh, you know, the IIA requires from a standards perspective that the uh, uh, every five years uh, an independent review done be done to, to uh, uh, provide, provide assurance that, you know, the standards are being met. But like, you know, Paul and I, you know, joke around saying that, uh, you know, you'd have to be a fool uh, if you're a chief audit executive and ask somebody to, to come in and test you uh, thinking that you're going to fail. So 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 with that, we've uh, always expanded to be really a strategic assessment and that we really, as Paul mentioned, we spend quite a bit of time in meeting with the senior members of the organization, including members of the audit committee of the board. And we basically ask two fundamental questions and it's really they're related with the question is, is the internal audit department providing value? And if so, how? Mm -hmm. If not, what could they be doing to increase the value that they're presenting to the organization? And I think it's in here where Paul and I, I believe, provide both the, the, the company as well as the internal audit department the real value of the assessment. Clearly, when we do the quality assurance review, we may find a couple of issues here and there that they got to improve upon. But in reality, you know, uh, uh, the organization is looking for how is the internal audit department helping them yeah. meet their strategic objectives? And that's really one of the primary focuses of our review. So, so stay with that. And, and let's, let's talk about that a little, bit, a little bit more. Because what I hear you saying is you're fundamentally going to the constituents of or the internal clients of the CAE and the, and the audit department. And you're asking them for their perceptions on what they're doing and, and where the value is. So, so basically, what are they telling you in general? What are the, the CAE and internal auditors' clients' perceptions of 
their ability to communicate. Well, unfortunately, um, as a general comment, we hear a lot that uh, communication is not a strong point of internal auditors. Um, there's a lot of things that we hear from management that basically tells us, even though audit thinks they're communicating, they're really not. And some of the specific things that they tell us is they continuously, internal audit continuously uses what's labeled as audit ease, our own language, rather than talking in the language of management or the business that uh, they're in or anything like that. We use our own language much like the millennials use today when they use <laughs> all of their technology. They've got their own language. Internal auditors um, have their own language and management recognizes that. They also um, tell us that when we try to communicate, we really say two things. Uh, one in verbal communications, and then when it comes down to the final report, something different. And there's a disconnect between uh, the information that's provided verbally versus in a written format. Um, they also say that uh, we wait till the last minute to tell management uh, what they need to know uh, during the course of an audit, things of that nature. So uh, communication has not been the strong point for internal auditors. And as you mentioned before, I've been around for 40 years, and you would have thought that communication yeah. progressed over the 40 years, and maybe a little bit, but not really. It's, yeah. it's interesting. One of the chapters in, in my book, Say What, is about influencing. And I'm thinking about your, your comment, Paul, that auditors use their own, you know, their own language. They're, you know, they're, they're talking their, their technical terminology. Uh, why do you think that is? When you, you, you've done these interviews, and obviously it's coming up a lot, but do you have any, any ideas as to why auditors are persisting in using their technical language instead of adapting more? Sure. I mean, I think it's a couple of things. And I think, you know, um, maybe first is that uh, um, they're trying to impress uh, that, you know, that they're from an audit perspective, mm -hmm. that they know what they're doing. Uh, and again, I think most of the people that we talk to and feel that if you look at from an auditor's perspective, they're really good at understanding controls and risk. But a, but a major issue has been, do they really understand the business that they're reviewing? And, and, and so a lot of times when, when you know, when, when they get the, the, the audit report, uh, uh, you know, um, and we, we talk about this a lot with, the, with, the, with you know, with, with both the client as well as the chief audit executive, that these, you know, we're dealing mostly with very senior people in the organization. And you, you almost kind of say to them, based on what you presented to them, what all they have to do, where would they, where would they end up reading this report? I mean, is it the, on the top of the list? or is on the bottom of the pile. And I think in many cases, the audit is, um, and again, I, I don't really understand it, but uh, uh, except for, for saying it this way, and I think a lot of times the auditors feel that they have to find something, that when they go into an area, they have to find something. And the thing I could never understand, and you know, and we've talked about this with them, is that you finding something that is good is just as important as finding something that is bad. And if you look at the audit reports that are written, Almost every report that we see is exception-based. They write a report that basically highlights what the organization is or the department is not doing well. And then that report goes to, to audit committee members. And, you know, and from, uh, from a relationship perspective, you know, if I'm always telling you to how, you know, telling the world what you're not doing right without ever telling them what you're doing good, you know, how do you expect to have a good relationship? And I think that's part of it. As Paul mentioned, a lot of times at the closing conference, it comes out pretty well. 
And then they get the report and they read and they say, wait a minute, why are you saying this? You know, that, that, that's not what was communicated when we have the, had the meeting. And, 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 I, and I think the other thing that we've seen, Paul, is that there's a gap. Uh, a lot of times we've seen that the more senior people in the organization, especially now the CAE where they're sitting at the table, uh, with, they, they speak it, but then the people doing the audit, they, they, they go back to their old ways, almost the I gotcha uh, approach. So, you know, and, and I think that's really one of the challenges that, that, you know, that the chief audit executive has is how does he get the staff people to understand that, you know, this is our vision. How are we going to accomplish that vision? And, and at the same time, make sure that when you're presenting those issues to the, to the department or, or the organization, those are the issues that really they need to see, uh, you know. And, you know, we kind of go off on this, too, because Paul and I have talked a few ways of that doing it. But uh, but I think, you know, to answer your question, I think this is really one of the bigger issues that, that we see when we're doing when we do our quality assurance reviews. You know, if you said a couple of things and I just want to pause because you said you really said a couple of things. First of all, the fact that the reports tend to be exception based. Uh, we have like like you, uh, the whole person project has many clients. When we look at their reports, more than the majority, I, I would say 95% of our clients' audit reports are exception-based. And it also looks like they're trying to make the reports as short as possible. I think of at one extreme, one client, the audit report needed to be one sheet of paper, two sides, fit it all in there. Now, I don't know where that's coming from because when you look at the standard, and when you do these QARs, that's basically what you're doing. There's nothing in the standards that say, hey, your report needs to be in PowerPoint. You're, you know, your report needs to be eight and a half by 11. Uh, and, the, and there's also nothing that says it should be exception-based. It talks about the need to communicate the findings. We only have a minority of clients. I can think of two that actually include all the results. So if there were, let's say, 20 tests that were done, they include the result, you know, whether it was whether it was a pass or a fail. And this is not SOX, by the way. This is not SOX. This is risk-based auditing. So do you find that as well? Where is this coming from that it needs to be a short report and it needs to be exception-based? Yeah, I think it's a couple of things, and it's it's interesting. <clears throat> the point that you made is 100% correct. That these standards basically say it's the responsibility right. of internal audit to communicate their their observations, findings, whatever words you want to use to management and the appropriate people. It does not yeah. say anything about you know how the report should be written. What we've seen is actually a combination of what you just mentioned: very very short reports and very very long detailed reports. Some of the better shops are using the shorter versions or multiple versions of, of formats based on the audience to whom they're issuing the report. For example, if you're giving a report to the audit committee or senior executive management, it's the shorter version with the key points in there. When you're giving it to line management who's responsible to fix many of the issues or what you uh, resolve the issues, there's more detail that's provided to them yeah. so that they can work on it and have perhaps a, a more detailed understanding of our observations. So the better shops, I think, are using a variety of different methods to communicate to management. 
And <clears throat> they're even taking it one step further and using uh, PowerPoints and other technological advantages to uh, communicate with the audit committee so that the substance of what the issues are get right to the, to the point. And there really is not a lot of um, detail that's miring the points in, in you know, the weeds, if you will, they're, they're making it uh, appear uh, so that management yeah. understands what's going on. So we, we Hey everyone, thank you for continuing to listen to the show. We want to say thank you again to our sponsors over at Audit Board, the leading cloud-based platform transforming how enterprises manage risk. Audit Board's integrated suite of easy to use audit risk and compliance solutions streamlines internal audit, SOX compliance, risk management, and security compliance. Automate processes and improve execution with Audit Board's purpose-built solution, which is designed to address the most pressing challenges of today's practitioners. Experience the latest in audit, risk, and compliance technology. Visit auditboard.com to schedule your product walkthrough to see Audit Board's award-winning platform in action today. Yeah, we were going to say, you know, I think a couple of things that, you know, that, that Paul has saw, and I certainly saw it in my organization, and I made the change in my organization that, that I wanted a balanced report, mm -hmm. meaning that, when they, you know, that they had to basically state what was being good, that the company, you know, the department is doing well, and then identify where improvements could be made. Because again, I think by doing that, the reader of the report, including the person who's, you know, the client who's, who's, who's really the subject of the review, is now seeing that the audit department is recognizing both the good and areas for improvement. I think Richard turned around and said, I said, really, the per I think Richard Chambers, excuse me, yeah. said in one of his articles or his blogs that, the, you know, he viewed the order report as really convincing people that change needed to be made, not a blame game, you know. And, and then the other thing which I find I found is that, you know, a lot of times when the auditors, at least in my organization, when we wrote the report, we would say that we found. And a lot of times, yeah. and we, yeah. we didn't find it. It was really when we were meeting <laughs> with people, when we were meeting with senior managers, they would say, we have a problem in this area. They knew that there was a problem. But the auditor comes out and says, we found. And it almost makes it sound like, we, you know, the management was clueless. Right. So, so, or hiding. So, or hiding. Right. So, right. Yeah. so when we would also recognize this, you know, that, you know, then when the management presented us with advisors of this issue, and then we basically, you know, work to correct it, give them credit where they, you know, where they deserve it. And again, it goes back to, the, I call it balanced reporting. That, you know, you really want the reader of the report to understand, get a good assessment of what's happening, but also the client, the person that you're doing the review, review of, that it's not the I gotcha, you know, because sometimes I think they feel that the, that the auditors are really trying to justify their existence by the, you know, by the amount of findings that they have, the recommendations that they include, and a whole host of other, you know, metrics yeah. that they basically are measuring them, their, 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 you know, their success with. It's interesting because when I think about Paul's comments about iterations, I'm using the word iterations, different um, formats to the report, you know, adjusting that level of detail. One of the things I've, I've noted about internal audit is that it's one of the few professions that has multiple clients. I think the, the only other thing I could liken it to would be if you were a salesperson, institutional sales, selling to you know, major corporations where you'd have that strategic selling. That's probably the only two times I can think of professionally where, where the auditor needs to be as comfortable talking with a member of the audit committee as he or she does with someone who's performing the control. 
and every layer in between. And let's face it, the informational needs are going to be different. I think, Paul, your comment about giving different levels of the, uh, you know, uh, different versions of the report, uh, more detailed and less detailed, not, not altering the facts. And Nick, you had said something earlier that I wanted, I wanted to come back to. Not only the I gotcha, you know, with the, the <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm laughing, the audit uncovered, you know, it always makes me think of like, you know, pulling a sheet and saying, voila, look at what we, look at what we found, that the business acumen, if the auditor doesn't have the business acumen, doesn't really understand what they're looking at, their findings can sound very hollow. I mean, they can, you know, do you know what I mean? It's like, well, the, the screw wasn't turned one quarter to the right three times. You know? I, I agree. I mean, I'm... Particularly if they don't back that statement up with some kind of connection yeah. to why you were making the statement in the first place. You know, you tighten, you, if you don't tighten the yeah. screw, what's the impact? Okay. Does the thing fall apart or whatever? And that's, that's a plus and a minus because I think some people take it to the nth degree to prove the point. And that's where we get mired in the weeds because you got all the details in there because we, to support the point, because we keep hammering to people that you have to provide evidence to management as to why this is important. So they yeah. go to the nth degree. But the point you made, I think, is, is a boon and a bane to the life of an internal auditor because we deal with so many constituents. Uh, communication is, is key because you've got to vary your method of communicating to the person you're trying to reach. And if it's a clerk, when you're doing an interview as part of your audit, that's one thing. But if you're talking yeah. to executive management, that's an entirely different thing. And you need to be able to, auditors yeah. need to be able to adapt to those situations. Even at the executive level, and not all executives are the same. Uh, we've been in situations where certain executives wanted to wanted us to be very aggressive, or they wanted their audit department to be very aggressive in coming up with issues. So as you said before, they're the ones that want the, they want to see all 20 points. And yeah. you have other executives that turn around and say, look, I only really need to know what I have to focus my attention on. Uh, yeah. My department is, can handle everything else. So, so even when you're dealing at, at, you know, at a more senior level, you have to be adaptable to the person that you're dealing with. Yeah. I, I want to go back to something we started to talk about, the difference between the way things are discussed verbally and then the way they look in print. Um, any advice for changing that, for, for bringing that more into alignment? Because I, I could relate to that. I, I think sometimes we speak very casually. You know, we talk about stuff not being right and we need to fix things. But it doesn't, <laughs> those, the words stuff and things don't seem to make their way into the, uh, into the audit report. A couple of reasons for that. Again, it depends on the audience. Pardon me. <clears throat> the audience, usually in a closing meeting, you have one level of management. Um, and when you write the report, as we talked about earlier, you have multiple levels of management. So there is probably an over-editing process that goes into the written report as opposed to what was said in the communication. And a lot of times there's a disconnect between those for the audience perspective, but it's also a disconnect between the people in internal audit. You know, you've got one level of audit management or audit supervision that may attend the closing meetings, and you have a different level of audit management that's signing off on the report and wants to make sure of every word and how everything comes across. So there could be 
uh, a big disconnect even within audit shops. So one of, the, <clears throat> one of the things that Nick mentioned earlier is to make sure that everybody in the audit department is on the same page in terms of how we look at situations before we go into a closing meeting and then ultimately writing the report. Uh, yeah. That to me is one of the so key things. So one of the things that I don't know if this would be some advice you would give your clients, some of the, the what we tell our clients to do is have a meeting with the uh, audit team if it's a team, if it's a smaller shop, it's the auditor, the person who did the review and, and the CAE and do just what you said, you know, kind of get together and agree on what are we use, what words are we using to describe this issue and how serious do we think it is before, before we go in? Would you agree that that's some good advice to give to get a little uh, calibrated, a little bit of alignment there? Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, I think again, well, um, you know, quoting statistics from the IA, and I and I experienced myself that uh, it used to take sometimes. Once you know, once the the closing conference was, we would spend an inordinate amount of time getting the report out. And I and I remember joking with my staff. I would turn around, especially the the, the people that were responsible for writing it. Save your first draft. Eventually, we will get back to it. You know, because <laughs> again, you know, people. You know, afterward, it's all wordsmithing. You know, and trying to make, you know, it almost looks like they're trying to write something that's going to get a full surprise or something like that. And, and, and I think really what it comes down to, you know, what Paul is saying and what you're saying is that, you know, and one of the things that we did to try to accommodate, you know, to, to, to address that, uh, I turned around and said to my staff, you know, let's have a team meeting with regard to writing. We have basically, we, we would have the three or four people responsible, including the manager in the room. To, to go over and everything. So it wasn't, so it wouldn't be that I would send it to Paul, Paul would send it to you, send it back yeah. to me, you know, and then a, a week goes by because they think, Paul, one of the criticisms we hear quite frequently is the length of time yeah. that it takes from the closing meeting to get yeah. the report out. So, you know, from a man, and Paul mentioned that, I think, you know, just a few minutes ago, you know, issues, can't wait until those issues yeah. are, are presented in the order report. If it's critical, they should be yeah. dealt with almost immediately. So, yeah. so, you know, and, you know, and I think even though from a communication model, auditors, I think can communicate fairly effective. I don't think they write as effectively as they communicate. And there yeah. also is a situation where, you know, the problems can exist or, yeah. occur, or do occur. Yeah. You know, we advise our clients and we also in the course that we'll talk about at St. John's, <clears throat> we advise auditors, particularly the team members to try and develop the audit issue as they go through the audit so that when they're presenting it to their own audit management, they're presenting it in a way that ultimately might wind up in the audit report so mm -hmm. that everybody, again, from the beginning uh, to the end is on the same page, at least in audit. So when you sit down at the, the meeting, you have almost the words for the audit report yeah. at the closing meeting. So there really Makes is sense. not that disconnect. You know, we have a couple of minutes left. left. Talk about that course sure. at St. John's University. Uh, why did you Why did you start it? This This course on uh, internal auditing. The program at St. John's, which is an internal audit program, is is uh, one of six in the United States that's recognized as a center of excellence. St. John's School program is recognized by the IAA as a center of excellence and in, in the internal audit program. Our particular advanced course program was designed to actually give students the ability to, to work through an audit from beginning to an internal audit, not an external type audit, but an internal audit from beginning to end. And we focus on the communication aspect, meaning 
Uh, we have them go through an opening conference, uh, a walkthrough type process, a closing conference, and then drafting an ultimate uh, final report. Um, one of us, uh, Nick or myself, acts as a supervisor, usually Nick, audit supervisor, and I will play the client. And we actually do role playing and have the students role play so that they can get the experience of how they're going to have to be presenting or interviewing or anything that internal auditors do in the job in a school environment. So that when they graduate and get a job in internal yeah. auditing, they can get the ground. Yeah. And we basically, this is a class that Paul and I created that we do for, for new auditors, uh, uh, people who are in the profession for a year or two. Uh, and then we just basically tailored it uh, to the St. John's class, uh, uh, as Paul mentioned. Uh, so, because again, a lot of times with, when, when the students are graduating from this class, um, they're, gonna, they're, they're starting. Uh, whether it be at a, uh, you know, a consulting firm or one of the big four now who have advisory services or working in an internal audit department. And I guess, Paul, it was probably somewhat tailored after the LSU program, if I, if it, gotcha. uh, as I understand it. Pretty gotcha. much. Pretty much. Where yeah. can people, we're, we're nearly out of time, where can people reach you if they want some more information on how to improve their communication or if they want some more information on this, uh, this course at St. John's. We're both on LinkedIn. Um, they can uh, message, private message us on LinkedIn or they can send us an email. We can give you our email so you can yeah. uh, post it if you'd like. Why don't you uh, tell everyone what your, email, uh, what your email is in case they want to reach out to you that way. Sure. Mine is pflora, P-F-L-O-R-A, at AOL. And mine is my name also, N-D-I-M-O-L-A, N -D -I -M -O -L -A, at AOL.com. Super. Super. Thanks so much for joining me on uh, the Audit Podcast. I'm Ann Butera. If you like what you heard and you want more information, uh, check out uh, my website, www.wholepersonproject.com. And I'll leave you with, uh, with this thought for the day. Uh, don't look back. You're not going that way. Thanks, Paul. Thanks, Nick. Thanks for joining me. Thank you, Ann. Enjoy Appreciate your day. It. Thank you, Ann. Good, you too. Hey, everyone. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of the Audit Podcast. Whatever platform you're listening on right now, I'm sure there's a subscribe button somewhere. So please hit the subscribe button there. If you're listening through iTunes or Spotify, feel free to go give us that five-star rating. It only took me about 16 seconds to give myself a five-star review. And it really helps to get future guests to come on the show. So we'd really appreciate that. Lastly, be sure to check out the show notes and follow us on all our social media channels on Instagram, on LinkedIn, and on TikTok. Also, if interested, please sign up for our weekly newsletter from the Audit Podcast. Thank you all. Have a great one.